chapter sixteen of monsieur lecoq part two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by tony oliva monsieur lecoq by emile gaborio part two chapter sixteen the cottage where monsieur lacheneur had taken refuge was situated on a hill overlooking the water it was as he had said a small and humble dwelling but it was rather less miserable than the abodes of most of the peasants of the district it was only one story high but it was divided into three rooms and the roof was covered with thatch in front was a tiny garden in which a few fruit trees some withered cabbages and a vine which covered the cottage to the roof managed to find subsistence this garden was a mere nothing but even this slight conquest over the sterility of the soil had cost lacheneur's deceased aunt almost unlimited courage and patience for more than twenty years the poor woman had never for a single day failed to throw upon her garden three or four basketfuls of richer soil which she was obliged to bring more than half a league it had been more than a year since she died but the little pathway which her patient feet had worn in the performance of this daily task was still distinctly visible this was the path which m d'escorval faithful to his resolution took the following day in the hope of wresting from marianne's father the secret of his inexplicable conduct he was so engrossed in his own thoughts that he failed to notice the overpowering heat as he climbed the rough hillside in the full glare of the noonday sun when he reached the summit however he paused to take breath and while wiping the perspiration from his brow he turned to look back on the road which he had traversed it was the first time he had visited the spot and he was surprised at the extent of the landscape which stretched before him from this point which is the most elevated in the surrounding country one can survey the entire valley of the oiselle and discern in the distance the redoubtable citadel of montaignac built upon an almost inaccessible rock this last circumstance which the baron was afterward doomed to recall in the midst of the most terrible scenes did not strike him then lacheneur's house absorbed all his attention his imagination pictured vividly the sufferings of this unfortunate man who only two days before had relinquished the splendors of the chateau de sairmeuse to repair to this wretched abode he rapped at the door of the cottage come in said a voice the baron lifted the latch and entered the room was small with unwhitewashed walls but with no other floor than the ground no ceiling save the thatch that formed the roof a bed a table and two wooden benches constituted the entire furniture seated upon a stool near the tiny window sat marianne busily at work upon a piece of embroidery she had abandoned her former mode of dress and her costume was that worn by the peasant girls when m d'escorval entered she rose and for a moment they remained silently standing face to face she apparently calm he visibly agitated 
he was looking at marianne and she seemed to him transfigured she was much paler and considerably thinner but her beauty had a strange and touching charm the sublime radiance of heroic resignation and of duty nobly fulfilled still remembering his son he was astonished to see this tranquillity you do not ask me for news of maurice he said reproachfully i had news of him this morning monsieur as i have had every day i know that he is improving and that since day before yesterday he has been allowed to take a little nourishment you have not forgotten him then she trembled a faint blush suffused throat and forehead but it was in a calm voice that she replied maurice knows that it would be impossible for me to forget him even if i wished to do so and yet you have told him that you approve your father's decision i told him so monsieur and i shall have the courage to repeat it but you have made maurice wretched unhappy child he has almost died she raised her head proudly sought m d'escorval's eyes and when she had found them look at me monsieur do you think that i too do not suffer m d'escorval was abashed for a moment but recovering himself he took marianne's hand and pressing it affectionately he said so maurice loves you you love him you suffer he has nearly died and still you reject him it must be so monsieur you say this my dear child you say this and you undoubtedly believe it but i who have sought to discover the necessity of this immense sacrifice have failed to find it explain to me then why this must be so marianne who knows but you are frightened by chimeras which my experience can scatter with a breath have you no confidence in me am i not an old friend it may be that your father in his despair has adopted extreme resolutions speak let us combat them together lacheneur knows how devotedly i am attached to him i will speak to him he will listen to me i can tell you nothing monsieur what you are so cruel as to remain inflexible when a father entreats you on his knees a father who says to you marianne you hold in your hands the happiness the life the reason of my son tears glittered in marianne's eyes but she drew away her hand ah it is you who are cruel monsieur it is you who are without pity do you not see what i suffer and that it is impossible for me to endure further torture no i have nothing to tell you there is nothing you can say to my father why do you seek to impair my courage when i require it all to struggle against my despair maurice must forget me he must never see me again this is fate and he must not fight against it it would be folly we are parted for ever beseech maurice to leave the country and if he refuses you who are his father must command him to do so and you too monsieur in heaven's name flee from us we shall bring misfortune upon you never return here our house is accursed the fate that overshadows us will ruin you also she spoke almost wildly her voice was so loud that it penetrated an adjoining room the communicating door opened and m lacheneur appeared upon the threshold at the sight of m d'escorval he uttered an oath but there was more sorrow and anxiety than anger in his manner as he said you monsieur you here the consternation into which marianne's words had thrown m d'escorval was so intense that it was with great difficulty he stammered out a response you have abandoned us entirely 
i was anxious about you have you forgotten our old friendship i come to you the brow of the former master of sairmeuse remained overcast why did you not inform me of the honor that the baron had done me marianne he said sternly she tried to speak but could not and it was the baron who replied why i have but just come my dear friend m lacheneur looked suspiciously first at his daughter then at the baron what did they say to each other while they were alone he was evidently wondering but however great may have been his disquietude he seemed to master it and it was with his old-time affability of manner that he invited m d'escorval to follow him into the adjoining room it is my reception-room and my cabinet combined he said smiling this room which was much larger than the first was as scantily furnished but it contained several piles of small books and an infinite number of tiny packages two men were engaged in arranging and sorting these articles one was chanlouineau m d'escorval did not remember that he had ever seen the other who was a young man this is my son jean monsieur said lacheneur he has changed since you last saw him ten years ago it was true it had been at least ten years since the baron had seen lacheneur's son how time flies he had left him a boy he found him a man jean was just twenty but his haggard features and his precocious beard made him appear much older he was tall and well formed and his face indicated more than average intelligence still he did not impress one favorably his restless eyes were always invading yours and his smile betrayed an unusual degree of shrewdness amounting almost to cunning as his father presented him he bowed profoundly but he was very evidently out of temper m lacheneur resumed having no longer the means to maintain jean in paris i have made him return my ruin will perhaps be a blessing to him the air of great cities is not good for the son of a peasant fools that we are we send them there to teach them to rise above their fathers but they do nothing of the kind they think only of degrading themselves father interrupted the young man father wait at least until we are alone monsieur d'escorval is not a stranger chanlouineau evidently sided with the son since he made repeated signs to m lacheneur to be silent either he did not see them or he pretended not to see them for he continued i must have wearied you monsieur by telling you again and again i am pleased with my son he has a commendable ambition he is working faithfully he will succeed ah i was a poor foolish father the friend who carried jean the order to return has enlightened me to my sorrow this model young man you see here left the gaming-house only to run to public balls he was in love with a wretched little ballet girl in some low theatre and to please this creature he also went upon the stage with his face painted red and white to appear upon the stage is not a crime no but it is a crime to deceive one's father and to affect virtues which one does not possess have i ever refused you money no notwithstanding that you have contracted debts everywhere and you owe at least twenty thousand francs jean hung his head 
he was evidently angry but he feared his father twenty thousand francs repeated m lacheneur i had them a fortnight ago now i have nothing i can hope to obtain this sum only through the generosity of the duc de sairmeuse and his son these words from lacheneur's lips astonished the baron lacheneur perceived it and it was with every appearance of sincerity and good faith that he resumed does what i say surprise you i understand why my anger at first made me give utterance to all sorts of absurd threats but i am calm now and i realize my injustice what could i expect the duke to do to make me a present of sambers he was a trifle brusque i confess but that is his way uh, at heart he is the best of men have you seen him again no but i have seen his son i have even been with him to the chateau to designate the articles which i desire to keep oh he refused me nothing everything was placed at my disposal everything i selected what i wished furniture clothing linen it is all to be brought here and i shall be quite a grand seigneur why not seek another house this this pleases me monsieur its situation suits me perfectly in fact why should not the sermons have regretted their odious conduct was it impossible that lacheneur in spite of his indignation should conclude to accept honorable separation such were m d'escorval's reflections to say that the marquis has been kind is saying too little continued lacheneur he has shown us the most delicate attentions for example having noticed how much marianne regrets the loss of her flowers he has declared that he is going to send her plants to stock our small garden and that they shall be renewed every month like all passionate men m lacheneur overdid his part this last remark was too much it awakened a sinister suspicion in m d'escorval's mind good god he thought does this wretched man meditate some crime he glanced at chanlouineau and his anxiety increased on hearing the names of the marquis and of marianne the robust farmer had turned livid it is decided said lacheneur with an air of the lost satisfaction that they will give me the ten thousand francs bequeathed to me by mademoiselle armande moreover i am to fix upon such a sum as i consider a just recompense for my services and that is not all they have offered me the position of manager at sermeuse and i was to be allowed to occupy the gamekeeper's cottage where i lived so long but on reflection i refused this offer after having enjoyed for so long a time a fortune which did not belong to me i am anxious to amass a fortune of my own would it be indiscreet in me to inquire what you intend to do not the least in the world i am going to turn peddler m d'escorval could not believe his ears peddler he repeated yes monsieur look there is my pack in that corner but this is absurd exclaimed m d'escorval people can scarcely earn their daily bread in this way you are wrong monsieur i have considered the subject carefully the profits are thirty per cent 
and if besides there will be three of us to sell goods for i shall confide one pack to my son and another to chanlouineau what chanlouineau he has become my partner in the enterprise and his farm who will take care of that he will employ day laborers and then as if wishing to make m d'escorval understand that his visit had lasted quite long enough lacheneur began arranging the little packages which were destined to fill the pack of the travelling merchant but the baron was not to be gotten rid of so easily now that his suspicions had become almost a certainty i must speak with you he said brusquely m lacheneur turned i am very busy he replied with a very evident reluctance i ask only five minutes but if you have not the time to spare to-day i will return to-morrow day after to-morrow and every day until i can see you in private lacheneur saw plainly that it would be impossible to escape this interview so with the gesture of a man who resigns himself to a necessity addressing his son and chanlouineau he said go outside for a few moments they obeyed and as soon as the door had closed behind them lacheneur said i know very well monsieur the arguments you intend to advance and the reason of your coming you come to ask me again for marianne i know that my refusal has nearly killed maurice believe me i have suffered cruelly at the thought but my refusal is none the less irrevocable there is no power in the world capable of changing my resolution do not ask my motives i shall not reveal them but rest assured that they are sufficient are we not your friends you monsieur exclaimed lacheneur in tones of the most lively affection you ah you know it well you are the best the only friends i have here below i should be the basest and the most miserable of men if i did not guard the recollection of all your kindnesses until my eyes close in death yes you are my friends yes i am devoted to you and it is for that very reason that i answered no no never there could no longer be any doubt m d'escorval seized lacheneur's hands and almost crushing them in his grasp unfortunate man he exclaimed hoarsely what do you intend to do of what terrible vengeance are you dreaming i swear to you oh do not swear you cannot deceive a man of my age and of my experience i divine your intentions you hate the samus family more mortally than ever i yes you and if you pretend to forget it it is only that they may forget it these people have offended you too cruelly not to fear you you understand this and you are doing all in your power to reassure them you accept their advances you kneel before them why because they will be more completely in your power when you have lulled their suspicions to rest and then you can strike them more surely he paused the communicating door opened and marianne appeared upon the threshold father said she here is the marquis de sairmeuse this name which marianne uttered in a voice of such perfect composure in the midst of this excited discussion possessed such a powerful significance that m d'escorval stood as if petrified he dares to come here he thought how can it be that he does not fear the walls will fall and crush him 
Monsieur lacheneur cast a withering glance at his daughter he suspected her of a ruse which would force him to reveal his secret for a second the most furious passion contracted his features but by a prodigious effort of will he succeeded in regaining his composure he sprang to the door pushed marianne aside and leaning out he said deign to excuse me monsieur if i take the liberty of asking you to wait a moment i am just finishing some business and i will be with you in a moment neither agitation nor anger could be detected in his voice but rather a respectful deference and a feeling of profound gratitude having said this he closed the door and turned to m d'escorval the baron still standing with folded arms had witnessed this scene with the air of a man who distrusts the evidence of his own senses and yet he understood the meaning of it only too well so this young man comes here he said to lacheneur almost every day not at this hour usually but a trifle later and you receive him you welcome him certainly monsieur how can i be insensible to the honor he confers upon me moreover we have subjects of mutual interest to discuss we are now occupied in legalizing the restitution of sermeuse i can also give him much useful information and many hints regarding the management of the property and do you expect to make me your old friend believe that a man of your superior intelligence is deceived by the excuses the marquis makes for these frequent visits look me in the eye and then tell me if you dare that you believe these visits are addressed to you lacheneur's eye did not waver to whom else would they be addressed he inquired this obstinate serenity disappointed the baron's expectations he could not have received a heavier blow take care lacheneur he said sternly think of the situation in which you place your daughter between chanlouineau who wishes to make her his wife and m de sairmeuse who desires to make her who desires to make her his mistress is that what you mean oh say the word but what does that matter i am sure of marianne m d'escorval shuddered in other words said he in bitter indignation you make your daughter's honor and reputation your stake in the game you are playing this was too much lacheneur could restrain his furious passion no longer well yes he exclaimed with a frightful oath yes you have spoken the truth marianne must be and will be the instrument of my plans a man situated as i am is free from the considerations that restrain other men fortune friends life honor i have been forced to sacrifice all perish my daughter's virtue perish my daughter herself what do they matter if i can but succeed he was terrible in his fanaticism and in his mad excitement he clenched his hands as if he were threatening some invisible enemy his eyes were wild and bloodshot the baron seized him by the coat as if to prevent his escape you admit it then he said you wish to revenge yourself on the sermeuse family and you have made chanlouineau your accomplice but lacheneur with a sudden movement freed himself i admit nothing he replied and yet i wish to reassure you he raised his hand as if to take an oath and in a solemn voice he said before god who hears my words by all that i hold sacred in this world 
by the memory of my sainted wife who lies beneath the sod i swear that i am plotting nothing against the sermuse family that i had no thought of touching a hair of their heads i use them only because they are absolutely indispensable to me they will aid me without injuring themselves lacheneur this time spoke the truth his hearer felt it still he pretended to doubt he thought by retaining his own self-possession and exciting the anger of this unfortunate man still more he might perhaps discover his real intentions so it was with an air of suspicion that he said how can one believe this assurance after the avowal you have just made lacheneur saw the snare he regained his self-possession as if by magic so be it monsieur refuse to believe me but you will wring from me only one more word on this subject i have said too much already i know that you are guided solely by friendship for me my gratitude is great but i cannot reply to your question the events of the past few days have dug a deep abyss between you and me do not endeavor to pass it why should we ever meet again i must say to you what i said only yesterday to abbe midon if you are my friend you will never come here again never by night or by day or under any pretext whatever even if they tell you that i am dying do not come this house is fatal and if you meet me turn away shun me as you would a pestilence whose touch is deadly the baron was silent this was in substance what marianne had said to him only under another form but there is still a wiser course that you might pursue everything here is certain to augment the sorrow and despair which afflicts your son there is not a path nor a tree nor a flower which does not cruelly remind him of his former happiness leave this place take him with you and go far away ah how can i do this fouche has virtually imprisoned me here all the more reason why you should listen to my advice you were a friend of the emperor hence you are regarded with suspicion you are surrounded by spies your enemies are watching for an opportunity to ruin you the slightest pretext would suffice to throw you into prison a letter a word an act capable of being misconstrued the frontier is not far off go and wait in a foreign land for happier times that is something which i will not do said m d'escorval proudly his words and accent showed the folly of further discussion lacheneur understood this only too well and seemed to despair ah you are like abbe midon he said sadly you will not believe who knows how much your coming here this morning will cost you it is said that no one can escape his destiny but if some day the hand of the executioner is laid upon your shoulder remember that i warned you and do not curse me he paused and seeing that even this sinister prophecy produced no impression upon the baron he pressed his hand as if to bid him an eternal farewell and opened the door to admit the marquis de sairmeuse martial was perhaps annoyed at meeting m d'escorval but he nevertheless bowed with studied politeness and began a lively conversation with m lacheneur telling him that the articles he had selected at the chateau were on their way m d'escorval could do no more to speak with marianne was impossible chanlouineau 
and jean would not let him go out of their sight he reluctantly departed and oppressed by cruel forebodings he descended the hill which he had climbed an hour before so full of hope what should he say to maurice he had reached the little grove of pines when a hurried footstep behind him made him turn the marquis de sairmeuse was following him and motioned him to stop the baron paused greatly surprised martial with that air of ingenuousness which he knew so well how to assume and in an almost brusque tone said i hope monsieur that you will excuse me for having followed you when you hear what i have to say i am not of your party i loathe what you adore but i have none of the passion nor the malice of your enemies for this reason i tell you that if i were in your place i would take a journey the frontier is but a few miles away a good horse a short gallop and you have crossed it a word to the wise is salvation and without waiting for any response he turned and retraced his steps m d'escorval was amazed and confounded one might suppose there was a conspiracy to drive me away he murmured but i have good reason to distrust the disinterestedness of this young man martial was already far off had he been less preoccupied he would have perceived two figures in the wood mademoiselle blanche de courtomieu followed by the inevitable aunt medea had come to play the spy End of chapter 16 Recording by Tony Oliva, Albuquerque